I have filmed this intro probably 25 times. I kid you not, 25 times. I have tried to introduce this week's guest with the pre-intro introduction 25 times. So, for the 26th time, here we go. Hello, how are you guys doing? Hopefully you're doing well. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're a returning listener, thanks for coming back. My name is Drew Joyner. I host Beyond the Garment with Drew Joyner, obviously. (laughs) And this week, I invited Albert Muskies. I believe that's how you say his last name. I've gone back and forth with Muskies and Musquiz and Muzzy Moose. And I'm sorry, Albert, I'm totally botching the actual pronunciation of your last name. But most people know you on the internet as Edgy Albert. And that is fantastic because that's much more easier to pronounce. But for those of you who don't know Edgy Albert, he is a menswear fashion content creator. He's created on TikTok. I feel like he's more famously known on TikTok. He just eclipsed over 200,000 on TikTok. He has, I think, somewhere around 20 to 30,000 on Instagram. He's written for heddles and other publications around fashion and denim and the likes. And he's another individual that I was really curious to just pick his brain when it comes to fashion get to know him a little bit better, learn a little bit about how he's built success on social media while also getting a sense for his vibe and understand where his stylistic kind of journey begins and where and why it's at where it is today. I think this episode is really interesting. The collab that no one ever asked for, no one expected, Drew Joyner x Edgy Albert. If you have not given this podcast a five-star review and, and you've listened to it more than once, if you listen to it more than once and haven't given it a review, you're doing me a disservice because I, I, I put a lot of love into this, man. And all I ask is just a simple review. Just put five stars if you're on Spotify or Apple. I'd appreciate it dearly. All right, let's get to the actual episode. There may be no man that loves a classic cut of Levi's more than today's guest. His social media followers know him as Edgy Albert. I, I know him as Edgy Albert, but he's more formally known as Albert Musquiz. Actually, I didn't ask you how to say your last name. How do you say your last name? But I'm going to butch it. I know I am. How do you say it properly? Uh, Musquiz. See, I, I was about to say Musquiz, and that, right. is just, that is just so bad. <laughs> um, he's more formally known as Albert Musquiz. I don't even know if I said that right there. Anyways, Albert, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well, Drew. Thank you so much for having me on. It, it's a, it means a lot, and uh, I love to talk my shit. I love to just get to chat, so uh, such a pleasure. <laughs> no, it, it is good to talk. I think uh, for a lot of people, when they get a chance to listen to this, some of them might be shocked that you and I are kind of entering into this kind of world together, collaborating, right? It's kind of like a – I always equate – like when you two creators collaborate, it's kind of like a Jimmy Neutron, Timmy Turner moment. I don't know if you know mm-hmm. the, the kids show when they kind of had this like mashup episode. It's kind of like that. So um, I love your disposition towards fashion. And I know that you have a lot of opinions, a lot of insights. And, oh, man, I'm so excited for this for this conversation right now, man. <laughs> sure, yeah, we'll go in. Um, let's go in, man. Let's start with from the very beginning. I always love to ask these kind of like um introductory questions talk to me a little bit about your background what was it like for you growing up as a kid uh well i grew up in la or rather you know in la county um my my dad my dad's an animator my mom uh was a documentary filmmaker when i was a kid she has since changed careers 
so I grew up with like a pretty artistic family. They were really heavy into like old movies. Um, I kind of grew up in like a pop culture vacuum, like not because my parents were like crazy about that stuff, but just because I was like, the only shit I knew they were into was like super old. So like when I, you know, I grew up kind of like not really fully knowing what Britney Spears was up to and shit. So, uh, (laughs) and I think that's kind of translated into, you know, that's definitely affected my like tastes and made me, um, I'm always kind of playing catch up onto like what other kids just like did. Like I didn't have video games. I didn't have Pokemon, like all that shit that like, um, kids had. So, um, but I had, uh, you know, I, I had a great, great experience growing up. I went to, uh, public, public schools in LA. I went to um, a really great arts high school here in LA. Um, awesome. and, uh, then I went to college in, uh, Poughkeepsie, New York, I went to Vassar where I studied history and French and I spent some time living. Oh, abroad. Really? Yeah. And then I spent some time living abroad and then I came back and the rest is history. So, yeah, man, that's really cool. I didn't know you had studied French. I didn't know that. I mean, I knew you were in California, L.A. County. Mm-hmm. Um, do you still understand and speak French fluently right now? Um, yeah, I guess I, I was I was so on it when I lived there, obviously. And I don't really have anyone yeah. I speak French with now. So I'm like pretty rusty. Yeah. I can kind of play along. But sometimes when people ask me, then they try and like flex on me really hard, you know, and then they... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, I want to I want to ask you something because I'm I'm always trying to practice my French. My girlfriend, she mm-hmm. um, she grew up in Colorado, but her mom uh, is Swiss, so she mm-hmm. grew up learning French as her first language, English as her second language, but mm-hmm. she's fluent in both. Mm-hmm. So I'm just gonna ask you a quick little a little French test. Okay, you okay. ready for this? Mm-hmm. All right. Comment va ta journée? Comment oh, ma journée uh, va bien? Uh, c'est c'est le that's perfect that's perfect (laughs) that's good (laughs) i basically asked you know how how his day is going and he basically said you know it's it's going good nothing nothing too crazy (laughs) um i think actually i only really speak it i don't really understand so hopefully you just said it was okay i don't really yeah yeah you got it it's only yeah yeah exactly exactly um Going back to kind of your childhood, your roots, you said you were tapped in with a lot of things from a, a pop culture standpoint, but not necessarily in your generation. Mm-hmm. A lot of things that your parents were involved in, things you're doing, but also being in L.A. County, I mean, that is an epicenter for culture, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the the world looks at Los Angeles, looks at what's happening in Hollywood and the things mm-hmm. going on and says, mm-hmm. oh, that's cool stuff. That's cool shit. Mm-hmm. Let's imitate it and recreate it in our own manner. Mm-hmm. When you were coming up, man, I want to know. Were there any, what, what were the things that you kind of gravitated, gravitated towards from a cultural standpoint? You said you weren't really into like Pokemon or some of the other things that were like mm-hmm. more new age. What were the things that you were gravitated towards more? Um, what did I gravitate towards? I, you know, I, I really, I, I think I spent a lot of my, my childhood being kind of frustrated because, um, I was the, the so much of the media that I consumed were like it was like Turner Classic movies, like old movies, and there were there would be like styles that I would see and I would think they were cool, and I'd be like, I don't know how to replicate that. I don't know, like right. I remember once because like my parents, we just got all I got all like as a kid, I got all my clothes at Target, like didn't really matter, and I remember 
I really wanted like brown leather shoes because like that's what people wear in old movies. And I couldn't mm -hmm. figure out a way to find a pair of like I didn't really know about any of the brands that I know now. And I right. I made my mom buy me these like ugly ass brown leather sneakers like that were kind of like <laughs> halfway between dress shoes sneakers. And uh, I just hated them because they were ugly. But I was like trying to I was ser searching for something else. But like that being said, I think the things in L.A. that I. I, I grew up in a very small neighborhood. I grew up in a place called South Pasadena, which is like, mm. like when I have friends visit from the Midwest or from anywhere else, they're like, oh, this is kind of like more my speed. Like, mm. so I wasn't always like in the thick of LA, but I would obviously right. come in more and more in high school. And I think, you know, like obviously like skate culture has a really big impact on, on LA and kind of that like skater beachy cool kid look was something that yeah. I was always kind of interested in, like, you know, Vans, Chucks, Dickies, like stuff like that, that has really stood the test of time. Like that doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. Things, yeah, no, it's not. Mm -hmm. Things like that appealed to me. Um, yeah, but I, I was just like, I, I, I think was just always searching for some way to express a style that I was kind of developing and having a hard time because I totally miss out on the whole like era of the forums and the, you know, yeah. subreddits and stuff. I didn't know that was a thing. And like, neither did I personally. Yeah. So I was kind of like on my own with that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of, no, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think um, from what I'm getting, I think you, for whatever, not for whatever reason, I think it has to do with, you know, obviously your parents and your upbringing, you have kind of this like old soul, but like young embodiment kind of thing <laughs> going on, right? Like, yeah. like, like you've always kind of been interested in some of the more classic forms of pop culture that show outfits in a particular way. And I think that reflects in your mm -hmm. content too, which we'll dive into later, but I think it really does reflect in also, I, I, I love the banter. I love, I love in your content, how you kind of or uh, a bit whimsical and a bit like nonchalant but also like making a good point I, I love that aspect of what you do kind of a random mm -hmm. side note because we're talking about your background but mm -hmm. i was just watching some of your tiktoks right now and i absolutely love it man but um i'm curious you also um you also write as well don't you mm -hmm. or did you write so mm -hmm. you, you do write right now mm -hmm. how did you get into to fashion writing because i think that's another interesting layer to you mm -hmm. um i got started I got started in um, college. Sorry, one second. I got to put my phone, my computer on do not disturb here. One second. I had to do the same exact thing. Yeah, people are <laughs> blowing me up right now. Okay, here we go. Um, so I got started in college. Um, I think the, the the long version of the story is my freshman year of college. I was on the rowing team. This is before I was really into clothes, and I. And I like, for the first time, I was like, first time I did sports in my life, I got in great shape. Then I got injured so bad I couldn't row anymore. And I got really, I was having like this like terrible anxiety. And part of the way I was kind of coping with it was just like online shopping or like not online shopping, but online window shopping. Right. right and right. <laughs> I couldn't afford anything. Uh, and I, I was still having that problem of like, I can't find clothes I like, you know, like I, like all of the only stores I knew were like kind of your main street fast fashion brands. Like I knew J crew is probably like the nicest thing I knew. And 
Um, so through some kind of like word of mouth, like some people on campus, I learned about, uh, it was called RAR denim then, but what is Heddles now? And Heddles had a lot of like interesting articles about, you know, the kind of Americana heritage movement that was happening at the time. And it was really exciting to me because I was like, oh, I like, I started to understand the reason I couldn't find clothes that, that looked the way I wanted them to was because like, it was just too expensive and too complicated for people to make that stuff. And um, so I got really deep into that and I started getting into that kind of like, you know, the crazy raw denim culture of the era. And um, then when I was like about to graduate, I, I applied to work at Heddles and I started just doing like a hand, I was just doing like three tiny little articles a week for a while before they started letting me do bigger pieces. And I never did a ton outside of Heddles. I wrote for Primer, I wrote for Stitchdown. Um, I felt like every time I tried to kind of push into some larger publication, it didn't, nothing really came of it. Um, even when I had like connections and pitches and stuff. And um, in the pandemic, I got to write a lot of like the most, I think probably the most interesting articles I ever wrote for Heddles because I was head of the, they may be like the head of the pandemic desk kind of. So for the first time working there, I really had carte blanche to write whatever. And, you know, so I wrote a lot about like business and, and like the, you know, the, the, the loans that people were getting. Um, right. And I wrote more about like the business of fashion. And I, I mean, like for anyone who wants to do that kind of writing, it's really fun because you become an expert on something for like a few days, like any, any subject, no matter how dense you're like, you have to learn it. And yep. for a few days you're an expert and then you forget. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I was doing that. And um, you know, when, when I, I don't really do any of the fashion writing anymore, I'm working now on, on um, scripts more. Um, but the uh it was just like a great way to get into fashion and it's also you get to interview people you kind of have like a press pass at certain like you know uh events and stuff yeah trade shows and mm. like i was just listening to um uh throwing fits interview the guy who does the who did caps the capsule shows trade shows mm. and mm. i realized like for so many people that's how they get their start is like going to trade shows and seeing the product meeting the people and that's kind of what I got to do. And I think something that continues to influence my tastes and my content going forward. Yeah, totally. And I, I love how you mentioned that in order to write, you you have to be this kind of expert at it. And I think if anyone's listening to this and they're like, a lot of times we have a lot of, not a lot of times, but we have, we have some young people who follow us, right? High schoolers um, or just young youth, youthful people. And they're mm -hmm. always like, how do I... How, like, what do you read? What what publications do you read? What magazines? How do you get into it? And I think um, something I just thought about as you were speaking is if you really want to learn about specific topics within fashion, mm -hmm. you know, go to X, Y, and Z publication, online publication. Obviously, it takes a bit of work. Or create your own blog and start writing about these things in depth. You have to, I mean, if you do something like that, you become a much more um, in-depth individual mm -hmm. in terms of understanding mm -hmm. textiles, understanding brand, understanding understanding the history of things mm -hmm. um, versus, you know, kind of aimlessly going on social media. And while, you know, guys like Albert and myself can give you a bit of context on mm -hmm. TikTok or on YouTube or whatever, mm -hmm. 
it'll your own research will always go beyond that i think and i think that's really interesting how how much you probably learned from writing and obviously you're leveraging that into the knowledge that you use to create content which is a perfect segue because i want to learn about i want to know about how you know you went from writing and all the things you did obviously you did some acting as well or that's what it's that's what i that's what i see <laughs> um from from there to to edgy albert on on tiktok because i think what you're doing on tiktok is really really cool mm, appreciate that yeah it, it was totally out of the blue um it was uh, it, i mean also like people people who are like on tiktok now and if you're frustrated with tiktok you know, it's like, you can't really control it's the algorithm. It's like, it's like, it's like divine intervention. You can't really control it. Um, so basically I, I worked retail the whole time, pretty much the whole time I lived back in LA post-college, post-living in France. And, um, I worked at Selfedge, which is a great store. If anyone wants to get into Japanese denim and all that. Um, but I think like anyone who was working in the service industry or in retail during the pandemic, it was really frustrating. And working in retail is like obviously really tough under the, even under the best circumstances, like you have to deal with people being so dismissive of you. And then also if you're working in specialized retail, like in high-end retail, you have to know so much, like, you know, you're an expert, again, you're an expert in this field. And basically people with more money than you come in and dismiss you. Like they like, <laughs> they don't like you're giving them advice on you're styling them. Like it's like, I think people aren't really used to people are either used to like really low end, like kind of Amazon or like target kind of shopping either in person or online where the sales associate is kind of absent or not even there, or they're used to like, having their own way, like ordering from essence or something where they don't have to interact with anyone. So people have kind of, I think, lost the art and patience of dealing with sales associates. And um, so I was just like venting my frustration really. And I felt like I, and also there aren't a lot of people in my life, close friends in my life that care much about fashion. So I felt like, uh, yeah, I just felt like nobody cared. And I was like, well, I could just talk about this here. And it just was, it just like hit really hard, really fast. And, yeah. um, and that was like a little over a year ago. And I remember when it started, I was like, huh, maybe I can get 200,000 followers. And it just hit, you know, like last you year. You just hit. Man, uh, congratulations on that. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's tough because I think it's, it's hard. I think it must be really... I don't know what people, I can't fully know what people on the outside think of it because it's um, not my experience, but it's a very weird world and it's a world that didn't exist even a few years ago. And certainly like when I was in college, I was never like, oh, this is going to be my job. Um, I couldn't have foreseen it this way. So it's a little nail biting because it's not like when you, you know, it's not a, there's no sort of conventional road to success. It's kind of like you're, you're kind of a cowboy and you have to just like figure it out for yourself, which is cool in some ways. Um, definitely. But yeah, it just sort of, it just kind of, it, it was really, uh, an overnight thing. Uh, There were, I did a handful of videos and it just seemed like 
I was kind of like, oh, it seems like the algorithm is fucking with me or favoring me. And then it just kind of kept going. So yeah. there are like definitely for people in the audience who are curious, there are crazy peaks and valleys like where, you know, you're doing the thing that you always do, but it is just going so badly. <laughs> like yeah. the yep. views are in the toilet. Or the or worse than that, the views are all people that don't know you and are like angry. <laughs> like like Yeah, yeah, totally. It's like only trolls, only um just angry people. And you're <laughs> like, How did I get here? Like I used to like I know all these people that I like follow me. I don't know where they are. So um <laughs> yeah. No, that, I think that's a that, that's a, a really great long-ended question or a long-ended answer, excuse me, um, to the question in which you talked about a little bit like there wasn't necessarily a plan like oh I'm gonna go on TikTok I'm not gonna I'm gonna go and try to get two hundred thousand followers you really just wanted to create um, a bit of content around the things that you were seeing in your retail space create content around the things that you enjoyed and that you had been working on previously and I'm curious to to know why you decided to go on TikTok and not YouTube. And I, cause I know you have some YouTube videos as well. Um, and, and we'll get into the fact that all oh, the peaks and valleys, cause I think peaks and, and valleys, cause I think that's interesting as well. I, I experienced the same thing. And you know, when you're up, you're really up. And when you're down, it, it really, it can feel like, man, like what is going on here? Like the internet doesn't fuck with me anymore. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's like that. Um, but I kind of want to understand the decision to go on TikTok because you know, as uh, I'm 24, how old are you? If you don't, I'm 27. 27. As a 27 year old, um, you know, when you first heard about TikTok, were you like, I don't really want to do this, or was it like YouTube was more something you were more curious about, or kind of talk to me about why TikTok? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the thing is, I I have never watched. <laughs> I, I don't watch YouTube. I uh, and I don't. Mm. I I really was like. Uh, I think part of the reason that it worked for me was I didn't really follow. The only way I looked at fashion stuff was like in static images on people's Instagrams. And um, I had never really been into YouTube and I had never mm. really like spent time with on it. Um, and when TikTok first happened, like, I think a lot of people, like, I, I know it was getting big in 2020, obviously, but I didn't really hop in, I think, until 2021. And then it was just, like, I have always, so I've always done, like, comedy stuff. I've always, like, done improv and, like, sketch comedy. And so once I got over the fact, it's like, oh, it's not just the Teenagers Dancing app. There's more to it. I started mm -hmm. seeing people making fashion content that was just so like so bottom of the barrel you know yeah. and yep. or like i another problem i see i still see is like really handsome men really beautiful men but they're like they're just like flexing some zara and boohoo stuff mm -hmm. and it's just interesting like when i made an early video talking about vintage i had teenagers asking me what is vintage what does that mean and right. I realized like there, and that's always a thing. It's like, uh, there are so many people still that I haven't reached who are in that period of their lives that I was in like high school, early college, where I was like, I want to dress a certain way. I don't know how to do it. So 
I think I just saw a lot of like goofy stuff on TikTok. And I was like, I can do that. I was like, I think I can do this better and funnier. And that was just kind of the impetus. And uh, it was also just like so easy to do on my own. I think that like YouTube is, if you like, there's still a bar to entry. It's like, you got to like have some equipment and like know how to edit. And that's all stuff I'm sort of teaching myself as I go along. But you can really just, there's no gatekeepers on TikTok. Like I think my creative frustrations up until I got TikTok were I can't get people together to make this thing or I can't get someone to sign me, a, uh, sign with me. Or I, and so I was just like, wow, I can do this entirely by myself. And it was, it was such a relief. No, yeah, I, I love that aspect about TikTok. It's really democratized the creative experience for everyday individuals. It's, it gives, it, it kind of evens the playing field a lot of times with, as long as you have an iPhone, as long as you have your, your ideas in your head, you can create videos about them, you know, endlessly as long as your ideas continue to flow through your brain mm -hmm. and I, I was funny enough i was in the same position you were in 2021 is when i started my tiktok as well probably almost like a year and some change ago maybe may of 2021 mm -hmm. and um i was kind of loosely looking at tiktok and i have this conversation often with you know my friends and my girlfriend because like in 2020 my idea of tiktok you know, during the pandemic was just these dancing mm -hmm. teenagers. Like mm -hmm. that was, I literally just, that's all I could see, just famous dancing teenagers. And I didn't really understand it. Um, but you, you know, you're curious, you're always curious about these kind of things. New social media, is it going to be the next whatever? Mm -hmm. um, and then in 2021, I kind of created my own account, just kind of loosely started following some fashion pages. I was making YouTube videos myself, so I thought that, well, let's see what kind of fashion conversations are going on here on TikTok. Because on Instagram, like you said, there's a lot of fit pics, it's a lot of uh, mood boards, whatever, and explore page outfits, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then the, the outfits or the advice and the kind of content that was being created on TikTok, I was like, man, you guys are talking a lot about Jordan ones, a lot about dunk lows, and it doesn't really go much further than this. And, you know, there's a lot of other things out there and I, it really compelled me to start creating my own content as well. And so I think it's interesting. And I always want to go back to like value for the podcast. Um, for a lot of the best creators, and I think Albert's one of the best creators, um, you see that they're trying to fulfill a need, right? There's a, there's a problem that they see the community or individuals could be enriched in a better way. And they try to fill that need with either their creativity or their, uh, yeah, their creativity, their content, their processes. And I did the same thing for myself. So I think I always, people always ask me, you know, Drew, how do I get into this? How do I do it? Try to find problems that are within a system that already exists and then try to slowly chip away at those problems. And I think that's what TikTok, video content creation, social media, fashion content. That's what it's all about. So, mm -hmm. yeah, man. Um, I, I want to know also, so Edgy Albert, mm -hmm. where, does, where does Edgy Albert come mm -hmm. from? The, the, naming, the naming process. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that came from, well, okay. When I lived in New York uh, after college, uh, I, I was... I was drinking with some friends and I'm not used to humidity, right? Cause I'm from the West coast. And mm -hmm. I, uh, and I, I changed, I changed my handle kind of like on a dare to sweaty Albert. So <laughs> when I came back 
but when I moved back to LA, I, I think if you leave, if you leave, if you leave any major city, even if you're from it and you come back, it's kind of an intimidating prospect. And I felt like there are so many people, there's a certain kind of guy that I'll never be a certain kind of cool that I'll never be. And I think that kind of cool is I'll never be really an edgy person, truly. And so <laughs> I was kind of like, cause I, you know, like I, I made front as being kind of like intense or like aggressive or whatever, but like the reality is I'm like a pretty nice guy and if any, and I'm pretty mellow. And so mm. I was just like, maybe this can kind of like, this is, I can kind of manifest or like maybe because I'll never be this person, this can kind of like make me. And then ironically now it's like, that's how people know me. Um, Literally. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not, I'm not like especially edgy um, in any way, but I think I was just like, it was a way to kind of, it was like a security blanket. I was like, I'm not really, yeah. this isn't who I am, but maybe if I just like say it enough, it'll be true. <laughs> It's kind of like this like satire comic relief kind of name that mm. is um it kind of plays into the fun cuz I feel like you have a lot of fun when you make your content. It just seems like you're always you're always in this kind of like flow state. Yeah, let's mm. talk about that for a second. I've mm -hmm. always been curious. Mm -hmm. So when you make a video, mm -hmm. um are you thinking about what you're going to make beforehand? Do ideas just come to you? Do you write them down? Kind of talk to me about mm. like the process of creating videos. I think what I've learned, what I, I think I work best when I'm like really off the cuff. And mm. um, sometimes it, it just totally depends. Sometimes, sometimes a video works best. Sometimes a video works best when I write down kind of a general idea. Sometimes, especially when I feel kind of stale, I just get a notebook mm. out and I'm like, okay, here are a few broad ideas. But I just like, sometimes I mean, I've had to cut myself off because sometimes like I'll wake up in the morning and if I, I know I'm in a good mood because like I have my coffee and like everything's really funny to me. And so like <laughs> the first like dumb outfit video I see on TikTok, I'll be like, oh, I got to tear this guy apart. But I have to, <laughs> I've had to like censor myself a little bit because it's like, I don't need to be that guy all the time. So yeah. it's, um, it's just like, yeah, it's, it's, I just like to you know when an idea is good. I think we all like know when an idea is good. And yeah. I think the longer I've been on, the more times I've pulled the trigger on ideas that were just so-so. And mm -hmm. um, because it feels like you have to kind of keep up the output. But I think like, you know, we all know when like we've struck a chord in our head, like it's just something is funny and silly. And so I guess I try and usually it's like something I find really funny or something that like, or like, yeah, if it's something that like, I would love to tell my friends, but my friends just aren't around me. I'm like, Oh, right. if, this, if my friends would laugh at this, maybe it, it's worth doing a video on, but it just depends. And I think it is good to have kind of like a roadmap of like some potential ideas and like mix. And I, I think that I really like to mix up, have my content be really inconsistent and surprising. Um, mm -hmm. The tone may be the same, but like, I know there are people that do all one kind of thing. And so it's like, some, format. yeah, sometimes it's like talking head history. Sometimes it's like, just like a fit check when I feel good in an outfit. Um, yeah. But I think that like my advice to people would be because, you know, like you never really know what the algorithm is going to do. And so I think, 
just make stuff that you can feel proud of, even if it doesn't get a zillion views. Just like, yeah. Exactly. So even like, even if it sits there with like 20K or whatever, or whatever the number is for whoever you are, um, you can look at it and be like, I really like that one. And I think that I was saying something important or that that joke was really funny and I stand by it. But I guess like you have to have rules for yourself, like guidelines and you know, we, we all sometimes fudge the, our guidelines, so we have to try and be consistent. And some of the things are like, always, uh, always punch up, you know, like if you're making fun of somebody, punch up, um, you know, make sure, yeah, it, it might not be follower count. For, for those who don't know what that means, I think there's some people who don't understand <clears throat> what that means. Punching up means that, you know, a lot of times from just a metric standpoint, you don't belittle the guy that has, you know, 5,000 followers that is trying to make it happen for themselves is is in a state of vulnerability you punch up to the person who you know has 2.3 million is giving maybe what you assume to be lackluster advice but at the same time you want to just critique them a bit so they can so that their followers and they themselves can maybe evolve the way they think about a certain situation or item of clothing or whatever it may be. That's what some people ask me, like, what does that mean? That's what punch up means for those who don't know. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no. Yeah. Punching up for me. Also, uh, if you're a contestant on reality TV, I'm allowed to make fun of you. If you, (laughs) if even if you have a, sometimes people with low follower counts, but who are engaging in clearly really, um, like excessive behavior like if someone's on their like an insane italian vacation <laughs> you know like it's like <laughs> yes. if i can tell someone is like incredibly wealthy and well to do and doesn't want for anything mm. that maybe is fair but i think follow qualify yeah i think you have to be the best judge of that but yeah you don't you don't ever want to just like and yeah you don't want you don't want to pull you don't want to be to go into hot on people with with less than you and um i've definitely i think made some i have once or twice i think made that mistake and i, I do regret it so yeah you have to yeah. you have to be um thinking about that stuff and you have to play at the top of your intelligence which is a comedy rule um like you have to you have to like there's a rule and and i think a lot of comedians think about this where it's like you don't want to go for the lowbrow thing you want to try as much as possible to like you like use your brain as much as you can and i think even if people don't always get it they really i think people appreciate you going all the way in on something um i agree yeah and no, I like that analogy a lot, actually, the comedy analogy that you no one wants to hear the joke about, you know, you know, sex all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you use a joke that has a bit more, you know, that's a bit more cerebral. That has a story to it. And then you get them with the punchline that you set up at the beginning of the show that the person in the third row caught and is laughing mm-hmm. incredibly hard. But maybe second rowers are like, oh, that's funny. But yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I, I like mm-hmm. that a lot. I like that. So yeah. I interrupted you another time. I won't do it again. <laughs> no, no, feel free. It, it's good. I can like think, I can reflect on what I want to say. And I think like, yeah, good content also means different things to different people. And mm. I think really good, really good videos upset the people you don't like and make the people you do like laugh. And mm. it's just like people coming from different perspectives with different backgrounds will perceive you, you this information differently. And mm. that is kind of the endless struggle and the endless like, it's just you're always like surprised at what people 
do and don't understand or what they read into that you didn't even think of. And that's just the nature of like being visible in public. Totally. Totally. I want to, I mean, I totally get you. And I think you're speaking a little bit to the the criticism aspect as well. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of times there'll be moments where, you know, you feel like you're creating content for the people who, He's been riding with you since about 150,000, mm-hmm. right? Like, these are my, my riders. Oh, man, I know that, you know, whatever username Bob's Burgers is going to comment like, mm-hmm. yo, Albert, this is hilarious, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, your, the algorithm will put you in a situation where it's all new eyeballs or it's majority mm-hmm. new eyeballs. And you're getting ripped for something that, man, I didn't necessarily even perceive it or intend for it to be like that. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm still getting ripped, which is a, it's a good learning moment as well. I think anytime someone criticizes Mm -hmm. the content I make, at least on social media, Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a bit of a reflection of themselves because Mm -hmm. if they're coming at it from a very hostile standpoint, Mm -hmm. uh, very angry standpoint, Mm -hmm. a lot of times the videos I create aren't very confrontational. They're very positive, you know, juicy, whatever. They're, they're nice and fluffy, whatever. Um, so if someone comes at me, but angrily, I'm always asking myself, well, maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe they have some kind of inner issue that they're dealing with. And I just try to combat it with a bit of mm-hmm. positivity back or new- neutrality. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with that criticism online, especially on TikTok, where it seems to be a bit more toxic than a lot of the other places? Well, you have to, you have to think of, you have to like take a step back. I, I admit there are different times depending on where I am in like the peak in the valley, I can handle it better or worse. But I do feel like if somebody, if somebody like woke up in the morning and decided they didn't like you or don't want to understand you, they're not going to, there's nothing you can do to make them understand you. And I think, and also like sometimes I'll make a video where I think it has a very clear message and I'll have people like all like jumping on each other and not understanding and getting worked up. And I'm like, I just like, it's like these people just simply do not understand or choosing to not understand or like Mm. people can choose to perceive you in any way they want, you know, and there's not a lot you can do personally to combat that. So I think you're right. It is a reflection of someone's state. And um, yeah, I also think that like, I think a lot about, you know, working in this sort of field, you know, these things aren't, don't necessarily have to be gendered, but I think it is broadly considered to be menswear, the, the, the field in which we operate. And yeah. um, I think that like, you, I also feel like men, specifically like cis het men are like one of the least criticized groups because like, if you think about the way that like women are socialized and women grow up, they are so under the microscope. They are so criticized by media and other people. And men kind of escape, go through a lot of their lives without having that kind of criticism. So that's where I come in. (laughs) That's where, and so, (laughs) but like, that's the thing. It's like, I think that like to level the playing field, like, I think like there is no harm in like lightly chiding someone for not thinking about clothing. Cause it's not, if they've never thought about clothing, it's obviously not a reflection of them. They're not a bad person, but it's really interesting to see people reacting to criticism. I think that is pretty light and making it yeah. like all about, and I think it's like, that's their mental state, right? It's like, they're like, people aren't used to being criticized. I think fashion is really touchy for a lot of men specifically, because I think a lot of like straight men specifically have not had the opportunity to like engage with fashion in a, in a real way or express themselves in a real way. 
And, yeah. and there's a lot of complicated, like, there's a lot of complicated identity stuff in that and how we've all been socialized. So, and how you grew up. So I don't remember what the question was, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I think, oh, it's about criticism. Yeah. You just gotta, you gotta take it in stride. And, but I, I will admit that it's a really weird feeling to know that somebody spent time, someone you don't know, spent time not liking you <laughs> like yeah that is weird you're so right yeah so like it's it's like why would you do you know it's like but it, and i think it also has to do with the fact that like the more the more success you have in the field the less of an underdog you are and the more it yep. kind of seems like you are kind of coming from above you made it or you're yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so um even if you're still trying to come from their level and come with the same like degree of humor and, and good faith, it seems like, yeah, you're coming from this other maybe set place of superiority and not from like genuine care. And that's the weird thing about what we do too. Cause I still see myself and I bet you do too. I still see myself as just a regular, regular degular guy. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I don't, mm -hmm. I don't really look at myself as, the follower account that's associated with mm -hmm. my name. And mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of hard to, I think that's, that keeps me grounded. Cause I've otherwise mm -hmm. I, you know, if I took too much pride in it, if I took too much ego in it, mm -hmm. it could really consume me in a bad way. And I'm nowhere mm -hmm. near, you know, someone who's an, an actual, you know, celebrity or yeah, yeah, yeah. sorts. Mm -hmm. Right. So there, it's not really a comparison in, mm -hmm. in that sense. Um, I think also something interesting you had mentioned, um, you know, in, in the space that we create on, fashion tiktok uh it's classified as menswear and you know but i think uh, if i look at my analytics i would say that you know it's, it's almost a 50 50 split men and women and i don't know i don't know if you've ever looked at it yourself mm -hmm. um but do you have a lot of women also looking at, at your content and one more thing i think what you had mentioned about the the aspect of, of criticism society societal norms for for men in general i think that's a that could be a whole episode i, I really like that point a lot mm -hmm. um but from an analytic standpoint the question is do you have a lot of, is it mostly men who who view your content or is it split because for me it's it's a bit split which is funny enough it's kind of interesting on tiktok it's 60 40 women men and wow. on instagram it's the opposite so wow yeah so very interesting but i think also when i came in i was trying to be like I, I didn't really, I was kind of like, I, I, I'll say I learned the art of talking shit about clothes from my female friends, you know, because <laughs> yeah. like watching reality TV or watching when girls are together, looking at, at a like hinge, for example, and a guy comes up. <laughs> They, they know right away based on how he dresses, what his deal is. They know is. right away. Yeah. Yep. And so it's so funny because when I come uh. on and I'm giving people advice, I, I was first like, I was like, ladies, this is for your boyfriends. I want to help them because, and that's something you see all the time. You see like mm. straight couples, there's a guy, he dresses badly. The woman puts all this effort in. She cares about her appearance. She dresses well and she has to try and like change him <laughs> and like get him right, dressed right. better. So classic trope, classic trope. And it's, it's like a real cliche, unfortunately. So I was mm. seeing, so like I learned that like, cause I, I, for the, all the years I had roommates, they were always 
all these girls. And I learned so much about the way that men immediately present to women. And mm. it was so interesting to be like, you know, on the inside or what felt like to be on the inside. And so that was kind of where it was coming from. So I think that's why I have a lot of uh, women following me because I'm like, that's kind of the perspective. And I think it's also like, it's a little alien for men to criticize clothing in that way, because I think it, it can be kind of freaky to be like, to be like, oh, people are judging me on how I look. And it's not like, you don't have to be wearing the, it, I think we obviously know it's like, it's not about wearing all fancy stuff. You don't have to be wearing all dirty yeah. designer, but just like you put yeah. a little care and you put a little intentionality in. Intentionality. That's my like number one word with it all mm -hmm. is intentionality. And I think, you know, it's really interesting. Uh, that makes a lot of sense that a lot of women initially maybe thought, you know, I'm going to follow this guy on TikTok. And then anytime I see my boyfriend or my husband or my partner mm -hmm. uh, looking a little bit raggedy, I'm going to send them this video of Edgy mm -hmm. Albert to remind them, this is this is what I like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, that's awesome. I, and for myself, curious enough, because um, this is like I love reflecting on these kind of things. Um, I think I, I during kind of the end of 2021, I did a series about uh, focusing specifically on women women's footwear mm -hmm. um trying to get women to follow follow along and just in hopes to gain audience give perspective to women as well and i think that's where it comes from for me i did a series about like you know shoes you know women should try out whatever something mm -hmm. like that um which is always interesting um but you know what i think that overall being on social media this this journey for myself at least has been something that has opened my eyes to the possibilities of social media um, and all the doors that kind of open because of it. Would you say the same for yourself or is it a different experience for you? Yeah, I mean, I think I think I didn't really understand the power of it until I was until I had an experience with it. And I didn't real like when I first went like really viral, <laughs> I swear every person I'd ever had a crush on on Instagram that I didn't know, like followed me or DM me. And these are people I didn't know. Like I had never spoken to. I don't live in the same city as, and they all were hitting me up. It was so overwhelming. I didn't do anything about it because I was so overwhelmed. But the <laughs> the the reach is is insane, right? Like when it yeah. when it's working, it's just like insane. But I also think that, and I think you and I have probably had this experience, like the the sort of influencer side of it or the sponsored stuff you it's such an incredible tool that i feel like almost no brand knows how to use well like because like like let's face it like we're not watching commercials really you know and it's like you if you really like youtube or or hulu or whatever you're going to pay for premium you're going to like cut that stuff out so the only way people are seeing stuff is like either organically recommended or being paid to recommend whatever but mm. I've just found in my experience, I've, I'm doing more and more of this work and so few brands understand how to use this tool because the people that run these, the, I guess the brands maybe might be cooler, but the agencies that get in between are not cool. They're not like, they're not young. They're not like flexible and they don't understand that they don't understand like the authenticity aspect, you know, cause like, yeah sometimes I'll get product that I actually fuck with, but then this, I'm given like basically a script 
And it's like, are you kidding me? Like, don't you want me to talk? Like, isn't the point of this? Your own voice. Yeah. Yeah. And you can just see like when it works, when it doesn't, but it's like very, it's so powerful. And I think that like so much of marketing advertising is going to happen through people, like through influencers going forward and through like content creators. And I don't think it's a bad thing, but I just think that the people on the brand side need to really like get their heads together so they can actually utilize it well. No, I agree. I agree a thousand. I agree a thousand percent with you. There's a lot of times, you know, in my almost year and a half of doing this, there are a lot of rigid kind of guidelines when it comes to working with particular brands, whether it be saying this. And one of the biggest gripes I have personally is the time frame thing. Mm. I think a lot of times, you know, obviously brands want things to be said about them. They want maybe this talking point, whatever. But if I'm given the opportunity to um, kind of have creative freedom on it, mm-hmm. I don't want to have to make something longer than it needs to be, right? So like if if it's it can be, you know, 17 seconds instead of 25 i think that's a that's still a better that's a better example of my authentic voice and a better representation of of the ad and and, the, and everything that's involved with it mm-hmm. rather than trying to make it longer than what it has to be that's something yeah. that i have a gripe with yeah um, but I, I i agree i think it is a incredibly powerful tool um incredibly powerful tool mm-hmm. and the point about how we don't watch commercials I, I i can't remember the last time i've seen a commercial maybe when i go run at the gym like these yeah. tvs and i'm like listening to music i'm like oh this this is what a commercial is nowadays uh-huh. okay <laughs> um but yeah that's that's um really powerful perspective man really powerful can I talk <laughs> powerful perspective <laughs> Kind of, we've we've been talking for a bit here. Um, there's a couple of questions I want to continue to ask you about sure. social media, and then we'll kind of dab dabble into your personal life a little bit. Cause it's always fun to kind of hear about what people like to do outside of their work. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the questions that I was really curious to actually ask you, ask, oh my god, the hood in me is coming out. Mm-hmm. Ask you is um, is there anything you don't like about creating content in particular? Is there anything where it's like man, I hate this aspect of, you know, editing a video through TikTok or mm. when X, Y, and Z happens, or um, maybe even just the, the imperpetuity-ness of it. The fact that you have to always continue, continue, continue. Is there anything you don't like? Um, wh- this is more personal, but I, I, I don't, when you've like, when you've ridden that dragon of like a really viral video, like, on the one hand, you're kind of like, I can't do that again. That was so stressful. But on the other hand, you're like, that was the craziest thing I've ever felt. And <laughs> yeah. so you are chasing a high, like you become addicted and I'm fully addicted. Like, uh, <laughs> hello, my name is Albert and I am addicted to TikTok. Um, <laughs> hello, but, Albert. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's like, it's really hard because that like dopamine becomes really important to you and to like getting through your day and to like your sense of self. And mm-hmm. I'm sure like this is not, and I think that and the other problem with this is that I think influencers writ large, content creators writ large, TikTokers writ large are not very sympathetic groups of people. So mm-hmm. when you start to have like stuff happen for you, <laughs> like when I started like doing well, my friends were not super supportive because 
they were like, oh, it must all be good. But it's like, no, in reality, like if I get 2 million views, I've had 20,000 people say they hate my guts, you know? And True. that's crazy. Like, like how, and it's, it's unlike any other field where it's like, if I, if you're an actor and you get onto a TV show, you've been on set for like months before your show is out, you're sort of like ready for this to come. But if you're in your bedroom one day and then all of a sudden everybody, nobody knew you and then they know you, that's like, you can't really prepare your mind for that. And so I think that like, it's, it's obviously a blessing and a curse, mostly a blessing, but it's just a very surreal experience that is hard to prepare yourself for. And then you really can't, it's hard to step away from it. Cause like now I'm, I'm in like a very low view cycle and I know it, it, it's, it's not permanent, but it's really hard to be Zen about it. Especially when like, you know, like, cause I think you and I, a bunch of us all started at the same time and yeah. it's kind of natural to see like, Oh, how's so-and-so doing? How am I doing? And mm. we're comparing ourselves to one another and other people. And it can be good. It can be like good motivation. It can also be super toxic. And of course. it's all shit that nobody cares about. Like nobody outside of our circle gives a fuck. Cares about. Yeah. Yeah. No one cares. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think also the yeah, you're so right. The the comparison thing is something that everyone deals with too. Like we all at times glance and say, Oh man, you know, Albert's doing this or um I follow like Julian Carter, mm-hmm. um, some other people, some other folks, like there there's a ton of great folks on creating great mm-hmm. content opal mark um there's a ton and shout out julian shouts out he makes such good stuff always man julian is is like a superpower for what he does it's it's unbelievable i in fact i have him next week on the podcast so if, if you want to make sure that you hear julian and i have the conversation subscribe <laughs> yeah that guy he should have like a like a bill nye style show you know he should and that's Ooh, maybe I, that's a great idea for him. That is, that is that is a fantastic idea for him. Yeah, that would be make, a lot of fun. Make me a producer on that. Give me a producer credit. That I'm, <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. I don't know what kind of credit. I'll give you the producer credit. I, I don't know what kind of credit I'll give. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you came up with the idea. So <laughs> no, the, you're right. The, the comparison thing is tough. I think the, vi- the virality thing is tough as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can get in the cycle of trying to chase that over and over and over again. And that can be something that's a little bit draining if you don't put yourself in the right mental place. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because you, you know, you're not going to get 2.1 million every, every day, every week, maybe not even every month. It may, it may happen every three months, every four months, something like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe once a year, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I totally resonate with that. Um, that sentiment, that high, that mm-hmm. it is a high. Any goals for 2022, 2023 moving forward, like the second half of the year or anything like that in relation to social media? Uh, well, I think I'm trying to find ways to trans, transcend, sounds dramatic, uh, to, to take my talents to places outside of TikTok. Mm. And I'm just like, I have so many really talented friends that are making really cool stuff. And a lot of them are kind of in more conventional media. So like, you know, like if you're working in writing and TV, like 
it's gonna you're gonna you gotta basically I'm, I, with very few like nepotism exceptions you have to wait till you're basically like 30 before you get to like do the stuff you want to do <clears throat> yeah and so i'm just trying to like uh, my goals are like just ride it till the wheels come off in every conceivable way and i love that yeah and also just like find new ways to like do stuff and make stuff and I'm always brainstorming and like I have writing projects and various creative things, but also like in the short term, like I moved into my own place like a month or so ago. So yeah. probably my biggest goal is just like to decorate it, <laughs> get like nice. That's exciting, um, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I, it's not my like strongest suit, but I want to be better at that. Um, yeah. So like, that's kind of, in the cards but the way this works it's like i think there's a an old saying that that luck is where opportunity needs preparation and yep. you just don't know when the opportunities come will you don't know when the opportunity will come um but all you can do is be as prepared as possible for whatever it may be and as you said before we started i am a dabbler i'm like a dilettante by nature and i do a lot of little things and so I want to be ready to roll if anyone I have all these little things going. And if any one thing hits, I want to be ready to roll, you know? I love that. Yeah. And that's the way I position myself as well. That's why I do the podcast. That's why I have YouTube. Cause if at any moment, you know, someone, if someone sees the YouTube channel in New York or in LA and they say, you know, Drew, I think you'd be good for this opportunity to come and talk on a panel for, you know, six months out of the year and we'll pay you X amount that will help you live. I'm like, I'm gone. And I can still create content if I want to, right? Yes. I can still, <laughs> I can still, I can still leverage, right? And I've had some opportunities, you know, this year. You know, my uh, I went to Amsterdam earlier this year, and that was really cool. The entire um, trip was, you know, basically endorsed and paid for by a particular brand, and and that was a great experience. And I think there's just there's a ton of opportunities out there. There's a ton of opportunities mm-hmm. out there for creators who, um, you know put themselves in the right position and anyone who's not a creator right now who's thinking you know i want to you know try to capture some of this market space mm-hmm. um yeah anyways man let's let's get into the fun stuff what sure. do you like to do for fun like what, what do you what do you what do you do when you, you know you put down your phone and you stop pressing upload <laughs> uh-huh. well my, the funny thing and i think you may you may re- this may resonate with you but I think that the really weird thing is that like basically what I, what I did to kill time for so much of the pandemic, like before this happened was I was like, I'm just going to like scroll through eBay and find like the wildest, coolest stuff I can find. And eBay's got it going on. <laughs> yeah. eBay's. I spend so much time on eBay. Um, and I think that like, you know, like I do really, well, sometimes I'll put up a video and people will be like, don't you think about anything besides this? And it's like, I do think about other things, but truly what makes me happy in such a big way is just like, I mean, I'm always chasing the high of like, maybe this new piece of clothing will change my life, you know, or like seeing like someone wear something and they wear it so well. I'm like, Oh, I want to do that. You know? And Mm -hmm. that was really like a lot of my life. It was just like, I want to figure out how to, I think we want to dress. So dressing is like a way we were, is how we like, show ourselves to the world to become our most the, the most idealized versions of ourselves ourselves yeah. 
but self-expression yeah yeah but that's a moving target so like we're always changing what we the way we want the world to see us is always changing so therefore the things we want to buy are always changing but like outside of that like yeah you're kind of you're on a hamster wheel kind of forever and you have to just like be like cool this is fun so i i was that was kind of my 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 shit um but like yeah now that so much of my life happens on screens i'm trying to take a step back from that and like i i love to read i'm a big reader and i'm also like that's kind of what i'm how i'm trying to i think when i started sorry to come back to work but when i started doing this no, fine. um i had like so many thoughts and ideas and opinions because i just consumed so much media and then you burn through a lot of those ideas and opinions and you're like i need to go back into like go back to the lab and start studying again and thinking about it and so yeah. just like reading reading like great books about like style and aesthetics and watching old movies like the criterion collection i think is like a must have for anybody that wants to like the criterion collection let me write that down yeah like it's like a streaming it's a, you know the streaming service it's like 11 bucks a month and it's just like all the you know all the classic all the classic and interesting films and um you know cuz you'll see <laughs> i feel like now like all kinds of things trend and you'll see like style commentators will clearly have all watched the same movie and they'll be like all doing outfit breakdowns and it's like okay but like what if you go you went a little deeper like get off hbo max go a little deeper go criterion so <laughs> um yeah but i think it just it's hard because the way that i used to unwind for so long it seems silly but i would just like yeah just like get lost in my phone get lost in the internet a little bit and now that's kind of work so I think what's been good for me is like getting outside, like running, hiking, working out. Shit like that is really good for me because it's like I have to do something physically difficult where I can't look at a screen because I yeah, am Yeah, same. Yeah, cuz I am so addicted. The problem the problem I've been running into sometimes with the screen for myself cuz sometimes I'll I'll look at it or I'll be working on a video or working on my phone and my neck because I'm looking down so much, my neck will just start to kill me and mm -hmm. And that's something that I've had to manage where it's like I have to really set these like firm kind of time marks on how long I'm going to do something because you can really get lost in, in an hour, hour and a half goes by and mm -hmm. you're not even really working. You're just kind of scrolling. And it's yeah. easy. It's, I mean, that's 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 a part of what mm -hmm. the 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 apps are about. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's mm -hmm. also like a part of you is like, well, if this is my job, like this is also beneficial. Like I'm mm -hmm. also just doing light mm -hmm. research, which is, it's true. It, it's like a hard, it's a hard thing to kind of gauge sometimes because mm -hmm. you oftentimes you want to know, you know, or you want to perceive different things that are happening on the internet, but you also have to know when to, you know, step away. And so I've been doing the same thing. Um, I've been working out in the mornings, hiking, things like that, which is, it's mm -hmm. all fantastic. And I know, I know in California, they have a lot of like the weather is beautiful. That's 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 the one thing about Cali. The weather's beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful here in Colorado too. Mm -hmm. have, have you been to Colorado before? I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mostly passing through, but I've definitely been passing through. Yeah, yeah. Colorado's nice too. Colorado has beautiful weather most of the year, so yeah. Um, there's that. Any other movies that you recommend? Because I know that you know. I'm gonna call you Mr. Hollywood right now, but uh, you you know you've done some acting, you've done some different things, and mm -hmm. um, is there any movies that you've enjoyed? Yeah, um, I think that probably like two of the most seminal movies for my development were both movies, DVDs that I found in my 
like in my like shelves in my parents' house when I was a kid. Like, I think mm. they're both when I was staying homesick from school. And this, these two movies are um, Monty Python's uh, Holy Grail, whatever the full title is, The Hunt for the Holy Grail, whatever it is. And um, uh, Fistful of Dollars, the Clint Eastwood movie. Those two movies. Yeah, I've heard about that one. Yeah, those two movies really shaped me as a human being. Uh, in these, because I like there are these two really kind of opposing parts of me, which is like the comedy performance side, and it's like the wanting to be perceived as a cool, distant, cool guy. Um, <laughs> and they're at war. So, but um, yeah, it's uh, those. Those are some movies I love. I'm trying to think of what I've seen recently. I watched Roadhouse again recently, which is a great movie. Great for people that mm. want to see some cool, some like really funny kind of cheesy style. Um, what else? Yeah, I and then I'm just like trying to stay up with like cool movies. I've been watching a lot of horror lately. Um, really you like horror genre yeah i mean i i was like really i was kind of horror phobic for so long but um mm. uh my girlfriend is a big horror fan so i i've been like getting sucked in uh and i, I love oh, watching, yeah yeah and i just like love watching I, I also love watching bad movies like i think sometimes watching a bad movie is more fun than watching a good movie if you were with the right be. people yeah Absolutely. No, I remember. So I used to work a job at a dish. And what we used to do is we used to um, basically watch TV all day, like make sure that every set top box, like the, you know, DVR boxes, make sure they all worked. And so we used to watch like movies on Netflix, whatever. We'd watch 4K ones. Sometimes we'd watch some in other, you know, other languages. And we watched this awful, but it was hilarious movie it was like a horror like korean movie and from the moment we turned it on like me and my friends who were watching it because we worked together it was just one of the most fun times we ever had it was just cracking up the entire time that's that's the thing i love about bad movies sometimes you just be cracking up you'd be like is this for real like is this serious right now (laughs) no so i totally get you with the bad movie front (laughs) i love watching bad movies i love watching like trash reality tv all for the same reason because it's like it's just so fun to like if you're with funny people and a lot of my friends are very funny it just like you just get to like riff and have a good time and you get to make your own fun. Exactly. And uh, yeah, it's, it's great. No. Yeah. We, my girlfriend and I, we, we've been watching this show called uh, F boy Island on, oh. on HBO. Oh yes. I'm familiar. <laughs> F boy. I, Oh my, we've been cracking up so much with that show, man. <laughs> I know. I hate that they can't just say fuck boy. It's like, <laughs> That's the first thing. That's the that's the first thing. I was. That's the (laughs) literally the first thing we were talking about. Like, why did I just say fuck boy? I don't like. Why is this show called F Boy Island? It's very cringy. Um, I don't recommend it, but I highly recommend it if you love to laugh. Yeah. Um, we're coming to the end of the pod, man. It's uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on. I think that, you know, getting to know you a bit more. Um, when I come out to LA, when I come out to California, or if, when I we're in New York together, we definitely should link up and grab a meal, um, watch a bad movie, whatever those kind oh, yeah. of things. I, w- I would I would love to do those things, man. Um, but to kind of conclude the podcast, I want to ask you um, kind of just in one more overarching question. Sure. Um, for anyone who's listening, I think a lot of people look up to you and aspire to do what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any advice for anybody who wants to start kind of? 
developing their voice and fashion, but they don't know where to start. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I think you need to start by educating yourself. And before you like, and that can mean a lot of different things. That doesn't necessarily have to mean, because you can, you can fashion is, is a funny thing and that you can educate yourself without ever having to like go to school for it, you know? And I think to develop your perspective and your voice, whether it be in how you dress or whichever way, I think you just kind of have to spend time with yourself. And I think that like, you obviously will have to have some outside influence and like see what other people are doing and what it is and isn't that you, that, that works for you. But I think just like by spending time with yourself and like consuming not like content in on social media, but I think like removing yourself a little bit from social media and just like reading good books, watching good movies, going to good stores, even working in a store, working in a store is an incredible education. Um, right, like I think just like doing stuff like that and just like enriching yourself because I remember that when I was in high school, a lot of, I went to an acting high school and a lot of people went to college for acting and there's a perspective on acting where and i think this applies to content creation all kinds of art is that if you just focus on your art all you're doing is living in the world of your art and you're not like learning new things that will inform your art and make it better and i also had a teacher once tell me that he said he who dies with the most knowledge wins and I think that that's an important thing. And that's, I've always thought that. And it's like as many silly and seemingly trivial pieces of information as you can consume, the more exciting and rich your voice will become. And yeah, and just like, I think don't rush yourself to get to your goal. Like I've had a lot of funny little projects that didn't hit before the one that did hit, hit. And like also in these unconventional careers, we're used, to, we, we really applaud the, the, the people, unconventional, but artistic based, whatever. We applaud the people that have a lot of success early on because they're kind of the rare cases. But the majority of people who do well in these fields are the ones who like stick it out and care about it and work as hard as they need to. But just, it's about like staying involved, staying healthy, staying happy, and just saying things you want to say and doing things you want to do. And I think that is the key and don't rush yourself. I love it. I love the perspective, man. I want to thank you again for coming onto the podcast, spilling all the gems that you did. And it was a fun conversation all in all. Um, when I'm out in LA, when you come to New York and we're in New York together, let's make it happen, baby. I appreciate you. I appreciate oh, your yeah. time. I'll prefer for sure. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> Definitely. I want to thank Albert one more time for coming on the podcast. It was a treat to have him on. And funny enough, you know how we had Harsha Garwal, the founder of Harego, on for the first episode? Albert's the third. Funny enough, in between the time of recording Harsh to Albert, 
they actually had a photo shoot together, which is funny enough. I saw it on Instagram where Harsh was, he went from, he was in New York and then he went to LA and met up with Albert and had Albert shoot for the newest collection of Harego that's coming out, which is really cool. So being able to touch both of those kind of creators who are in different kind of fields, but obviously intermingle as well is really powerful and special. So I think when it comes to content creators, you find out pretty quickly that these people are just normal people, just like everyone else. They're not some kind of supernatural, super talented individual that is, you know, blessed by the fashion gods. They're just like you and me. They have interests, they have lives, they have families. And I think Albert is the perfect example of that. He really showed within the hour of the conversation that, you know, he's had times where he's struggled. He's had times where he's been successful. But regardless, he has to continue to, you know, put his foot forward and do, put in the work and create content. And sometimes it it all works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you have to make sure you're in a flow state. We've heard about that before plenty of times. But I, like I said, I love the disposition and I love, you know, being able to have this podcast and talk to people like him. It's really cool. Let me know if you enjoyed this episode by giving it a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. And if there's other means in which you can support the podcast, share it with a friend, let your homie know, let your brother know, let your sister know, let your mom know. I'd appreciate it dearly. We'll see you guys next week. We have another fantastic guest, and uh, it will be Julian Carter, which is a nearly another, a really another, is another really fantastic and interesting creator, especially when it comes to fashion and on TikTok specifically. So, See you guys next week. Have a good day. Bye.